Some films are mediocre Some films aren't good or bad Some films won't win an Oscar Globe, BAFTA, or a SAG You like those flicks? Come get your fix In a podcast called Mixed Bag Kia ora. Welcome to Mixed Bag, where we review the mixed, muddled, meh, and mediocre movies of film history. Hi, everybody. I'm Cassandra. I'm James. And I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> uh, Is there, was there a time when you weren't happy to be here? You got a specific episode? I'm happy to be here every week. Or second week. <laughs> it's good. Like the, Doing this weekly has been a great idea during the lockdown, not just because we've had the time to do it, but also because it provides structure to our lives that otherwise may not be there. Yeah, You're like, ah, oh, Saturday, it's the day the we record. We have to do this. Guys, we are in May now. Like, when it's did, May. When did that happen? <laughs> yeah, everybody's talking about how March was the longest month ever and April was the shortest month ever, and I feel like that's that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, I don't April even remember March. By. I felt like March was like, a, I feel the opposite. I felt like April Well, on was... the 8th of March, we were doing our Fringe show. Man. Yeah. So <laughs> think, about, true. Yeah. <laughs> think about our times in daily life at that point to compared to right now. Um, mm. I guess a lot has changed. Yeah, um, I just, I, I can't really remember significant events in April other than lockdown and just reading and sitting around. Just hanging out, being here. Um, we're doing... Pretty well. Yeah. Uh, no one's died, yeah. so. No, at least not, none of the three of us. Um, <laughs> Some people have. Anyway. <laughs> Other people have. Yes. Um, we're doing, yeah, like, what else we're doing? I've been back at work, basically, has been most of my week. Oh, yeah. I've been how's, sort of working. How's level three been for you guys? I mean, yeah, level three. I mean, I've got, we got some, we've got some takeaway type foods, which has been great. Um, and yeah, otherwise, it's just been returned to tutoring at the university. Yeah. Which we tried has been some interesting on Zoom. Tried some food from um, the place that Matt used to hail from, Left Bank, uh, the Ethiopian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me from left, from the Left, left Bank, Bank. Yeah. his own home, is yeah. in the street that Matt used to live on. So thanks for just doxing Matt. It's <laughs> 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 it's address. past doxing, right? I thought about it's it true. and I was like, he it's doesn't past, it's anymore. It's past it's doxing. True, yeah. So if you've got a time machine, you can go back and rob Matt right now. Look, yeah. Um, the, but, um, yeah, the Ethiopian restaurant that's down on Left Bank. Great job. It's a delicious. Mother of Coffee is yeah, the name of the I restaurant. Love, I love the restaurants down, down that end. Um, um, Viva Mexico next door is also... Viva Mexico also Is a wonderful good. taqueria. Like, very, very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. For me, I guess you? the biggest change is now I have to look both ways while crossing the street, which just was trained out of me for so long <laughs> because no one was in the streets in, in level four. Or very few people were. Um, when I was, like, jogging or going for walks. But now, like, I went for a walk today and um, Glover Park, which is uh, near where I live, is just full of people. And, um, I mean, they're still keeping their distance. So I guess there's that, but there's way too many for my comfort. Yeah. I had a, yeah, a very stressful um, uh, first day of Level 3 where I ran into... Uh, John Landreth, which was not the stressful the part of it, um, but I ran into him at Pukiahu uh, War Memorial, and there were a lot of people, skateboarders and kids that were not obeying the two meters. Uh, so while I was having a pleasant chat, I was just having to duck and weave yeah. all around we'll, people. We'll see how we go. I mean, yeah. it could be level four. Here we go again. The I know. Sequel. If... <laughs> yeah. 
Come on, people. Back Keep to your, the lockdown. People need to... Have you seen that picture of a whole lot of, like, uh, Chinese kids in primary school at a school class? They've... Uh, for their first back-to-school and back-into-the-classroom activity, they all built these little hats with little meter-long um, <laughs> sticks that stick out the That's side so they can sit in the class, and that way they know when, they, when their head hits that the other stick that they've got too close to their friends. Very sweet. I love Asian children, seeing them on the internet and seeing them in the film that we're going to be discussing today. Oh, man. <laughs> this is, if you think that Chinese babies are the cutest babies, which I have to say that's my, my one area of cultural supremacy for myself, is that Asian babies are the cutest, uh, Joy Luck Club is the film for you, and that is the film we're going to be discussing today. But before um, that, I mean, let's, yeah. let's head into our first segment. The Pop Corner. Pop, 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 pop corner. Um, yeah, so what have you been up to, Matt? I actually have not been watching a lot in terms of um, quantity. Just, like, spending time with, like, um, I guess the big one for me is um, I am still relaying. I just finished Succession Season 2, like, mm. literally, like, an hour ago. And, oh, um, the best ending. Oh, I mean, whew. I, just, <laughs> I still, I'm still recovering. All of them are great. All of the actors are amazing. Um, and the writing, I just, I feel sad that I will probably never write something as comprehensive and as good as that. Like, but, you know, it's more to consume for me. So that's, that's, that's been me this whole week. Um, Excellent. Yeah, and just the odd movie here and there. Nothing worth chatting about but nothing worth, <laughs> nothing worth airing on we the podcast i mean i i was like considering tweeting about each film that i see just like one like quippy line about each film <laughs> but i'm like who's that for me but i mean who is we'll twitter see. generally for generally the tweeter rather than oh, exactly. <laughs> rather than the follower well um what about you, James? You've just been watching television before we came in here? Yes, I have been uh, similarly uh, uh, binging through uh, something. It is The Leftovers by Damon Lindelof. Um, this was his, uh, I guess, long-awaited sequel to, to Lost. He had a big gap in between them. Um, and well, if you follow-up to Lost. Follow-up, right? yeah. It's sequel. not the sequel there's to no, Lost. There's no ties. I don't know if there's even any actors that uh, share across. But no, follow-up. Um, and if you haven't heard about this, this is a, about an, a fictional event there where um, two percent of the population suddenly disappear on October the 14th um, and we follow the leftovers who are left to um, figure things out. It has an amazing cast. It has Justin Theroux, Carrie Coon. In season two there's Regina King. Like it is star-studded. Yeah. Christopher Eccleston doing a really weird American accent. Um, yeah, it's great. And I'm in, in the final season now. The, the final few episodes. Um, and it's just, I love how bizarre it gets and weird it is not afraid to embrace how surreal it is but you have a sense of uh, there's a sense of confidence always throughout the filmmaking uh, that you're like yeah I feel like they know where they're going this isn't just being random just for random sake so I've been really enjoying that and I'm curious to see how it ends I definitely am looking forward to seeing that at some point the backlog just never gets shorter it's one of those ones where I'm now becoming like jealous of the fact that I didn't start watching it with yeah. James. Yeah, and I just keep going yeah. in and being like, oh, I should I have watched this. I tried to push the cast like, hey, this is really good. And you're like, it seems too dark. Because the first it's season serious is pretty bleak. And, yeah. you know, it's about grief and everyone's coping um, in a different way. Speaking of American accents, though, I always forget that both Sarah Snook and Matthew McFadden aren't American. 
on um succession because their accents are really good like yeah, yeah. you, you fully buy it but you know props to whoever the uh, accent coach is yeah. on set and i still claim matthew mcfadden as a new zealander even though he just played one in, in my father's <laughs> den i'm still right. like right on you I'm, I'm still like blown away that that same man who was such a goofball and so like clumsy on succession was yeah. the brooding mr darcy in the 2005 classic pride ampersand prejudice <laughs> I have to say I have never seen that version oh, of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, um, I f- was just seeing a yeah a big t- Twitter thread the other day about how like generally people kind of latch on to the first Pride and Prejudice they see growing up and that's like, none can beat it. But that means you ne- don't necessarily watch the other ones, so I, I should watch it. The comparison. Yeah, you got the McFadden Smalder, you got the Kira Chin, like the, <laughs> the Kira Chin. <laughs> the iconic um, Kira Chin. Yeah. Chin. One of the uh, the other. Um, oh my god! Pop- character name, Miss Kira Chin. Miss Kira Chin. <laughs> uh, one of the other uh, pop culture uh, reference points that I've been um, uh, reading unabashedly is um, ordinary. No, not ordinary. Normal people, um, which. Uh, <laughs> Ordinary People is also a very good uh, media text, but uh, not what we're talking it's about right now. It's a film from 1980. <laughs> yeah. But um, go on. Yeah, and it's a beautiful story um, about uh, Connell and Marianne, um, which is a, a young Irish couple, like, first love. Um, and it came out, I think, like, last year, was it? Uh, or maybe yeah, two years or maybe ago? maybe a year before. I'm not um, sure exactly when it like came out. Like a huge, like, bestseller. And now they, they have just, uh, they've just put out a TV show as well. So I wanted to read that before I started watching Yeah, I'm going to be show. the same. So we'll see how we go with that. Yeah. We've seen the first episode and it looks like it's a really strong adaptation. Um, both of the actors um, seem really strong. So can't yeah. wait to watch the rest of that. I just think yeah. the actor that plays Marianne is too conventionally attractive. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that's, that's, just my, that's just my views on it. Um, what yeah. about you, Cass? Uh, so I've been doing a lot of reading as well. I finished reading, yeah, 100 Years of Solitude. Um, Ooh, this, I'd never read classic. it. One of those ones nice. that I was like, I'm just going to revisit some classics. Or I mean, we are 100 years time. in solitude, so you might as well. Um, so, yeah, which, I mean, is obviously lives up to the hype and all, it's, all the ways. Is that um, Co- Coelho? Hmm? Who who wrote that? Is it Pella Coelho? That's um, Gabriel Garcia Gabriel Garcia. Who's, what, um, what did Coelho, Love in the Time of Cholera, that's what he wrote. No, Love no, in the Time of Cholera is also my case. What did uh, Paolo Cholo is um, the alchemist? Maybe. I always I know, get Garcia Marquez and Coelho confused. How do you say his last name? I'm so sorry. I think Coelho? I'm not sure. Yeah, well, he's, yeah. I don't know. We're going to have to look that one up. Sorry, Pablo. <laughs> yeah. We just lost um, a podca- podcast yeah, listener. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pablo. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. Are you alive? I'm not sure. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll look that one up. Uh, but yeah, so that, and then I just finished reading Around the World in 80 Days, which was my oh, first cool. uh, Amazon Kindle purchase for zero dollars. Because I'm like, I, d- I don't want to have to use the, to purchase anything from Amazon, but I realized that I could get all of the free project That's right, yeah. texts. Straight on there. Um, so that was definitely worth my time. Um, though I have to say, you know, I started reading this because, as I've discussed on this podcast before, very big fan of the Inkle Studio 80 games, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 80 days game, sorry, um, which is wonderful and everybody should play it. Um, and so I was expecting some more, like, exotic means of travel in this piece um, and was particularly, like, you know, I think in most adaptations of 80 days, uh, like around the, the world in 80 days, yeah? It's like he's he arrives in this big hot air balloon at some point. Oh, yeah, and there parachute. is no hot, hot air, air balloon, balloon. <laughs> yeah. in this book. 
And yeah. I was quite astounded. I'm certain that there was a hot air balloon. And I don't know if this is a Mandela effect thing or if this is just there's <laughs> a movie so. where there's I mean, a hot air balloon. Well, it's like definitely the, both the movies, yeah. The poster of the Rex Harrison one is just a huge hot air balloon and the title is on Run the World in 80 Days. That yeah. must be the thing, because I was like, I was got to the end of it and I was like, where was the hot air balloon? So, uh, you know, it's still worth a read. I mean, it's, you know, it's parts of it are extremely dated in the uh, racism sense. Um, but it's still a rip-roaring, like, fun time. And, you know, it's, if it's free on your Kindle. So yeah. if you've got an e ebook reader, then grab it. Speaking of classics, I've been digging into House of Leaves, um, the classic horror uh, story, uh, which is a huge book on my bookshelf. And I decided to take the plunge and get reading. And it is great so far. Uh, I love uh, books that have... Um, that play around with, like... Um, the the customs of uh, of literature and 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 books it's working very meta -textual with horror. yeah footnotes and um, like some of the most iconic like books that I've read in the past like Nabokov's Pale Fire and even like when I was young the Bartimaeus trilogy like always played with like footnotes and those little like yeah. oh commentary on the text which I just I love I'm big into it infinite jest <laughs> yeah totally yeah. which I have not read. But, Has anybody you know. here read Infinite Jest? Anybody hands up? <laughs> read Infinite Jest? I saw um, Stella Reed was going to try it over the lockdown, or was tempted yeah. by it. It's on my list of things to do right? at some point. Um, I've got like, um, <laughs> like finishing War and Peace, which I've read a quarter of. <laughs> I've got the first book of Proust's, um, you know, in such a blessed time. Yeah, and I've got it. I've got it. I'm like, but do I want to start it? This <laughs> is the thing. Um, I'm reading Less by Andrew Sean Greer at the moment, which. Um, I think one of the, the Pulitzer a couple of years back, and it's just about like a, an, an aging novelist, gay novelist, who um, is, it, he's like not well regarded or famous in any way, but he's kind of just like avoiding his problems by going on a world tour. Um, and I'm enjoy it's a very easy read. I'm enjoying it so far, but I haven't finished yet, so I'll let you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, I thought you, you were saying... You might come back and be like, the ending sucks, I mean, and you guys you never are... know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were just saying, I'm reading less. Like, I don't want to read so much <laughs> I don't want to read lockdown. as much right now. Yeah. I've been reading so yeah. much before. <laughs> well, I've had back. to put a lot of my media on hold because Cass, like, introduced me to this, like... Um, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> internet esoteric kind of um, universe that I have only brushed upon like you know a few years back when i was at uni and now i am literally down the rabbit hole um yeah, just so this is a frederick nudson's youtube channel down the rabbit hole much much <laughs> recommended yeah it's just it is both like i am not easy to scare but a lot of these stories like give me chills and goosebumps just because i feel like there's something sinister about like people like who are internet made and like torture other people in some kind of way or another you know like it's it's mm. that kind just of just generally like people with breaks in reality of yeah some kind it's, expressing yeah. it through the internet and i think it's very fascinating well yeah i think that's like the first kind of glimpse of 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 you know like fear and i'm like so that's what i'm scared of just <laughs> okay great um but yeah, it's it's eaten up a lot of my time. <laughs> um, it's that, and um, there's also the, the the video that started it all for us as a three, as a trio, um, was uh, the misscribed story um, yeah. on when posting goes wrong. So search that yeah. on YouTube. It's very um, good. It's another, an hour of your time though. Oh, so it's it's, it's <laughs> well prepared. worth the time. Um, and another <laughs> channel I'd like to shout out is Atrocity Guide, which also does a lot of those stuff. Um, so that's that's really cool. Yeah. 
All right. Cool. Are we ready to move on to our feature presentation? Feature presentation. Yeah, from yeah. atrocities to joy, luck, <laughs> and and clubs. <laughs> So uh, this was your pick today, Cass, was it? Yes. Nope. Uh, this, no, it was. <laughs> was it, it not? It, it was yeah. indeed, mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, we went from a Kane family favourite uh, last week to a Tease family favourite this week, the Joy Luck Club. Um, You're sensing a on, pattern here. Continuing <laughs> on in our 1993 uh, year of our, pretty much our birth, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, theme for the next three weeks. Um and yes, this is one that I kind of grew up with. Um, my parents both really liked. I think it's my extended family all enjoyed. Um, and I think it's probably the same for a lot of like uh, like diasporic Asian families, um, I would say. It's like one of the few uh, representation media things that we had in that era um, and even though it's Asian American obviously based, there's still a lot that the New Zealand Chinese community which my family are part of um, could I think identify with in it, which is why um, yeah, I would imagine that probably most like yeah Chinese American, Chinese UK or like New Zealand Chinese and Australian Chinese all of the Chinese diaspora people I would imagine um, growing like in 1993 you, you just all saw it because, like, there's nothing else to see. Um, and, yeah, so I definitely grew up watching this um, at least a couple of times in my childhood. And then James and I rewatched it last year yeah, because he'd never seen it. Um, and we were out at my family's and so we're like, let's pop it on. Um, which, yeah, was, was interesting because there's parts of it that I caught, sort of remembered but other parts that I didn't really remember. Um, <laughs> and lots of parts that my family were like, oh, I love this bit, but they're all, like, absolutely, you know, we talked about James's family putting on the movie and then, like, going to have a bath. <laughs> my family are notorious for putting on movies and then just going to sleep. So I'm pretty sure most of them went to <laughs> sleep at some point during this. Once, this every couple of weeks, my dad will just send me a photo of uh, my mum, my nana, and my uncle just asleep in their various armchairs sitting around the TV. <laughs> <laughs> so this is how they're spending lockdown. Um, yeah, so it was very interesting to revisit it last year and then to kind of revisit it again yesterday, um, which I think just can kind of consolidated my thoughts on it from last year. Um, right. Either of you guys, yeah, what's your sort of viewing history? I sort of know yours, James. But. I have a very slim viewing history, which is um, this was one of the many books on my mum's bookshelf because this is based on a best-selling yes. a book by Amy Tan um, uh, that I had always, like, seen and it has, like, kind of like a fascinating cover. There's, like two figures or maybe one figure and it's quite blurry and I was like what is this movie it was like based, now made into a motion picture um, but I'd never um, seen it um, so yeah a year ago was my first time experiencing it and then yeah interesting to rewatch yesterday yeah I've never seen this I have obviously heard of it but also I remember there was a long time where I kept confusing the Joy Luck Club and also the movie Broken Hearts Club which was um, a I think like maybe late 90s, early 2000s, like, movie about a group of gay men with, like, Dean Cain and T Timothy Oliphant. And I was like, which one is which? Because I can't... <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I have obviously, like, heard of the Joy Luck Club. It's one of the f few kind of Asian slash Asian American um, pop culture entities that are out there, even though I haven't watched it. Um, I was aware of Amy Tan. I was aware of this movie. 
but yeah, so it was it was interesting seeing it, um, and you know we'll see if it brought brought me joy. <laughs> or luck. Or luck. Or, well, or you're clubs. already part of a club. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so should we? Uh, oh, movie in a minute. Yeah. Before we get started talking about the the content of the film, um, should we get our our now classic minute long? Uh, our staple of the podcast which, that everyone loves. Yeah, which uh, Matt has volunteered to do, slash I volunteered him to do, uh, <laughs> for this week. All right. All right. Ready to go in three, two, one, go. So Joy Luck Club tells of the story of, like, f- um, four Asian-American mothers and daughters. Um, all of the um, daughters are, I think, first generation. And the mothers are, you know, the immigrants from China. And um, one of, uh, they're all best friends. Um, one of the uh, mothers dies um, and her daughter June is a writer, I think. Um, uh, um, and, and then we have Lindo, um, who uh, like escaped from her arranged marriage and her daughter Waverly is uh, a former chess champion. Um, then we have Anne May, who... Uh, her mother, like, Ten seconds. got sold to, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> she uh, she was, like, the fourth wife of someone. And, uh, yeah, and then the final, yeah. the final person, Ying Ying, um, yeah, she killed her husband because he was uh, cheating Did she? on her. Did she kill uh, her husband? Is that what happened? <laughs> I don't know. But what is the Joy Luck Club? Oh, one? yeah. Oh, and they also play Mahjong all the time. <laughs> Because, you know, like, that's the name of the club because Mahjong gives them joy um, because of... And they want to be lucky at Mahjong. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And they're a club. Um, Yeah. I I feel like that about sums it up. (laughs) Yeah, I thought you were going really solid and you were like, let me get into the specific story. (laughs) No, no. I mean, you could summarise this in, like, a one-sentence thing of, like, this is, like, a, a whole lot of different stories of both like mothers from yeah. China and daughters growing up as Chinese Americans. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a, yeah, every, there's eight main characters and yeah. each of those eight main characters, we kind of see a different so- story with them as the protagonist. Um, yeah. yeah. So why is this movie mixed? Um, why was it chosen for this? I chose it because, just, this is the thing, we sat down to rewatch it yesterday. And James goes, I don't know why this story, why this film's mixed. I thought it was just good. And I'm like, James, when we saw it a year ago, you didn't like it. (laughs) You complained the whole way. I think (laughs) the effect of it is like, you're like a hazy, when you recall it and when you think about it, you're like, oh, that's right. That's that kind of Oscar Beatty film that like has some sweet stories. To me, I think why it qualifies is because like, um, I think it was received okay when it, um, you know, came out, but also like, it is not really a part of the wider conversation in any way. Like, and yeah. also no um, Asian American um, film that had a predominantly Asian American cast was made for like another twenty five years. So yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like there's always there's been a history of these projects that have so much writing on them to yeah. be like so successful mm. and be the big thing like Margaret Cho's All-American Girl as well yeah. with TV where it's like this has to work and if it yeah. doesn't work gangbusters like something yeah. like Crazy Rich Asians then it's seen as like 
not the the biggest hugest thing that can I change I feel like Hollywood. you are watching Joy Luck Club know like feeling how much is riding on it yeah. as yeah. a film and how Absolutely. much they, tr- they feel like they're trying to stick in there and it's because it's got so much content it feels like they're really just trying to tell all the stories yeah and you mentioned Oscar bait like this wasn't nominated for any Academy Awards no. mm. neither was Crazy Rich Asians actually which is you know whatever but um like but conversely, something like, I don't know, The Color Purple was, and that, that's mm. why it's a lot better remembered, even though it went 0 for 11 in the Oscars. <laughs> but that's a conversation say, for another day. Like, yes, you can compare like Crazy Rich Asians and Joy Luck Club because they're both like giant ensemble Asian-led casts, um, and you know that bec- it becomes this, the first film to do that since Joy Luck Club. But I would say they're totally trying to do different things. Oh, yeah, like, 100%. I think one of the things that's good about Crazy Rich Asians is that it's like, this is fluffy and light yeah, and silly. Yeah. It's and a yes, I still film. went to it with my whole family because they're like, we've got to go see this one. I saw um, it twice. <laughs> but like, you know, it doesn't, it's not trying to be important and it no, doesn't feel not. like it's trying to be important. Whereas this one, you do get the sense it's, it feels like it's trying to be important in the mm. same way that it feels like it fits in the same vein as a lot of other 90s book adaptations yeah. that are trying yeah. to, yeah, kind of evoke that literary um, grandiosity in a film form and make it feel very epic and feel um, like rich and yeah. got all of these different threads, but it's it like, becomes quite hard to fit all yeah. of that into it's one like, film. Yeah, you're, you're transcribing a great American novel into a two and a half hour film, which, yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, there is stuff to like about the film. Yeah. And what are those? <laughs> I so I want to start before we get into our like case four and case against this film. Yeah. Um, I did a power ranking of the Joy Luck Club oh. mums and daughters. What? <laughs> I have thoughts. So, here we go. Um, Let's so hear here's them. my here's my power ranking. Are we talking about their stories, them as people, like? I'm talking about like which is the best stories, like which is the the like best ones, and I've done them in duos. So yeah. You've sometimes right. got like. A weaker mother or a weaker daughter. Yeah, no, they're definitely, like definitely yeah. Sure. So my top, Lindo and Waverly. Oh, 100%. Strong, 100%. 100%. I would have been so mad if Lindo and Waverly were not number one. Lindo and Waverly both, like, have great scenes. Lindo's story, I think, definitely hands down of all the eight stories is the best one. Lindo um, we'll also... we'll talk about it in whole, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. as, as a whole. But, like, yeah, just... Both good performances. Lindo like, is the one I enjoy the most watching. Yeah. But um, carry on. Okay. My second one was Ying Ying and Lena, which is um, the two, like, abusive yeah. husband stories. Now, yeah. I have some thoughts about, like, which of these is better. I actually think, like, the Same. Lena storyline with, the, with yes. the husband is much more interesting. 100%, and, like, yeah. A lot, whereas, like, Ying Ying, like, she's sort of this, she's got this kind of, like, a kind of melodrama storyline that feels very She's, weird. It's full Medea. It's I, like, yeah, she it's the one where she doesn't kill her husband, she kills her son um, as she revenge does. for her husband. That's right, she kills and, someone. But, like, the husband is like a cartoon character. He is evil. 100% so evil. a melodramatic like, villain. A, like, he was playing it so broad, if he had a moustache, he would be toiling it, but I doubt he could Honestly, grow one. No. <laughs> but I have to say, like, it's, like, the, the design That's of all of me. that, like, 1930s Shanghai, like, sort of look is just beautiful. It looks oh, great. beautiful. Um, so that, that stuff's good. My next was probably Suyuan and June, who's kind of our, like main sort of protagonist who I will talk about her performance and then my final one was Ame and Rose because I honestly trying to remember what happens with either of those characters even though we watched it yesterday Wait, it is yeah. hard to remember I, I, I would <laughs> what happens there? 
so, so you've got Ame, she's kind of got a storyline a bit like uh, Lindo's, but worse, like just a worse so her, version. So her <laughs> mum, uh, you know, like got pregnant. Yeah, her mum like, got raped. Got, yeah, yes. and, then, and she becomes like a fourth wife, which is a very low-ranked um, wife, wife in um, China. And so she has to go like live with this like terrible rapist man as his fourth wife. And she goes to bring the daughter with her. Um, and then the, mo- the mother kills herself. And so then the daughter like just screams a lot at everybody else. And they're like, now we will respect you. And I did not understand exactly no. what happened. With I, <laughs> I would flip this with um, June and um, her mom. But we'll get into that later on. I think they're con- definitely contentious, yeah. um, those last yeah. two rankings. I wasn't sure which one, but, like, yeah, that one I was just, like, the, the Ame and Rose, because also Rose's storyline, like, it's just she's married to a guy and then they kind of have some bad communication, but then it's probably going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so the stuff I liked is definitely Lindo. She was serving the whole way through. Very good. So Lindo's storyline is that she... Um, is she grows up in a very poor family. Again, a, a, the cutest tiny little child actor. Oh, she's beautiful. She's, there's little chopper tricks. And she's it's, wearing it's so like funny, a pink though, coat. Because in the subtitles, the lady who she would be sold to said that she was skinny. But I was like, <laughs> she has the chubbiest cheeks I've she's ever like a seen. Roll. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like a little chunky bun. Anyway, um, so there's this tiny kid, and then uh, at, at you know three or four years old, she gets sold to be uh, the future wife of like a rich family and her yeah. mother from that point onwards kind of raises her preparing to to give yeah. her away once There's she turns 15. There's a like matchmaker situation going on. The oldest woman in the world <laughs> yeah. is the matchmaker. She has this like crumbling <laughs> like powdered white face and these little drawn on like Chinese style and like imperial Chinese makeup. And you're just like who is this and she's ancient lady? Later joined by an equally old yes, person. Later on as there's well. two of them. I'm like, it's "Oh like, my god, these old matchmakers who are just like junior." Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the real sort of meat of the story happens like there's a whole there's a whole scene with her mother who actually I, I think is pretty good like as a performer the, the she doesn't have very many roles but uh, very many lines but she um yeah it just sort of it just shows her like trying to distance herself from her daughter so that she can send her off when she's 15 um and there's a sort of touching scene of her giving her to this man to like go away and she has to like walk off into the yeah. forest with the rest yeah. of the family and leave her behind which is pretty sad um, but then the kind of the story kicks off she gets gets married it's this big old traditional ceremony and she discovers that her future husband is a like 12 year old boy yeah a chubby little boy <laughs> it's a chubby little boy who just like throws insects at her and like yeah he's yeah. got like an iguana or something like that yeah. Yeah. some kind of reptile but like yeah, he's just always, like, teasing her He's with. just, yeah, acting like they're, they're siblings because he's obviously not old enough to have a wife. <laughs> yeah, and her mother-in-law is, like, pressuring her heart out to have babies, sons yeah. specifically. Basically, she's there to have a son because this this China. <laughs> yeah. um, and so you got to have a son. And the son is lying, saying that he's sleeping. The son's with like, her. yeah, you, we have so much sex. I don't know why she's not pregnant. And but, but obviously reality, they are not. Yeah. <laughs> he's just going to sleep. And then she notices that he has an ago mole on right his on back. his back. Um, so anyway, she, she puts a few things together. She like notices the mole and she also notices that there's like a servant girl in the household who's, who's got pregnant yeah. um, from like a, you know, a lover that's abandoned her. Uh, and so then she puts them all together and creates this plan where she decides to say like, oh, the ancestors have come and they've cursed me. I've heard from them and I am not the true wife. It should be this pregnant woman. She's already carrying the sun in her belly. Um, and like, oh, the mole is this the spot of death, and it's, it's growing on his him. back. Yeah, um, it's just this whole big performance, and everybody is very much taken in. 
And yeah, therefore, through her wits, she manages to, to get herself out of the situation. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and, and it's I, great. <laughs> I think that, like, the good thing about that backstory is that, like, it kind of, um, you know, shows through in the characterization later on. Where, mm. like, when she is tough to her daughter and when her daughter is being a brat, like, you can tell this woman is unfazed because she has faced worse conditions <laughs> than whatever baby bratty Waverly is throwing at her. Yeah. And also and that she knows how to, like, manipulate Waverly oh, later on yeah. as a child because she's a great manipulator because she's very smart and, and she knows how to play people. And has such presence. Like, you just oh, love yeah. to hear her voice. Like, Lindo, every reaction her she name gets. is... Um, yes, I, I had a list of all, all the actors somewhere on Her name is Sai Chen, and she's yes. just, like, got, like, the driest delivery. She would, like, um, you know, insult you with, like, a cutting remark here or there. Like... She's just really good at being kind of this deadpan, um, not quite deadpan, but like a good, um, yeah, someone who will like, cut you down. She's very like withering stare kind yeah, of. Thing. Yeah, yeah. She, she can, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's as, that as the older actor. Um, though like, yeah, the, t- the teen actor's all right as well um, for the other storyline. Um, but yeah, and then like... Uh, the daughter's kind of storyline, Waverly. The storyline is a lot like, interesting, but I think she does like really good stuff with it. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think and the of the daughters, right? actually, she has maybe the most interesting storyline. Yeah, because she's like this gifted chess prodigy, mm. and then um, what happens? Like she doesn't want to play chess. Basically, anymore. her mother marches down the street holding oh the, so, the magazine cover I mean, that has her on it, being I like, do not, "Have you seen my daughter?" <laughs> I do not blame Waverly one bit because this is the most embarrassing thing ever. <laughs> Like, yeah. like, Lindo stops everyone on the street <laughs> pointing to the cover of, like, Life magazine with <laughs> Waverly on the cover saying, look, this is my daughter. And you can see, like, maybe Waverly is just, like, dying inside of shame. And, <laughs> and just, like, talking, walking down San Francisco Chinatown, like, every person of, that she meets. Talking of stopping people, uh, the child actor who plays Waverly also stops whenever she has line deliveries. Yes. She's like, Mom, please, I don't want to be shown off. Anymore. <laughs> it's there's a lot of And so gaps. the emotion is pretty legit, but she's just been told by the director, just wait it out. Give it a pause. It's that or it feels like maybe she she can remember the line, but it just takes her a little moment yeah. to get to the next bit. <laughs> I love she's got a real expressive face. I love her. Because there was this moment when um June, who is an, another daughter, when she when she's young and she's playing the piano, we'll talk about it later. And then Waverly just has like the best eye roll. <laughs> like she does it a couple of times, and I'm like, <laughs> "That's me." <laughs> the other thing I like about the Waverly and Lindo storylines is that they they like relate to the other like the other women because mm. like yeah. the other ones like they're all just kind of independent. We don't really see how they relate to each other except for this big kind of uh, joining scene of everybody at this big dinner, which was made um, up for the film. Apparently, yeah. um, uh, they were like, "Oh, we have to tell the story," and the guy. Uh, Bass, I think, is the producer. What's his uh, name? Ron, uh, that was the Ronald, co-writer. Yeah, the Ronald co-writer. Bass. He like came up with a suggestion um, that they have this like farewell dinner to June because she's going off to China, um, and have these voiceovers throughout to like bridge it. And I feel, yes, that's a functional way of telling the story, but it yeah, it uh, does also mean that you're at the behest of whoever is telling the story and how interesting it is. Mm. Sometimes in the in, uh, instance of, like, Lindo and Waverly, you're like, okay, cool, I'm with this, but it's trying to branch out and go, 
everywhere in the narrative. But what I enjoyed about Waverly is that she's a complete style icon. She's yes. just so stylish. She's yeah. just she so shit. She's like 90s look. <laughs> yes. But also she's like breathtaking. She's like one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, in that scene where she's got her hair down in the hairdressers and she's just crying, I'm just like, what? Yes, okay, what? The hairdresser <laughs> scene is also just iconic. The bit where, like, uh, yeah, so Waverly's plot as an adult is that she's getting married to this white guy. Her mother is not particularly a big fan of him. This is my parents' favourite part of this film, by the way, is when they, go, they invite the white, the white boyfriend to dinner. Um, and he just does various things that are big faux pas in Chinese culture, such as when the um, Lindo brings like her best dish to the table and goes, "Ah, oh, too bad to eat," which is how you you show that it's actually you're very proud of the food. Yeah, but so did you, you insult it? Yeah, so yeah, so the code is like you know you insult your own food so that others praise it. Yes, because yeah. no, that's to, to, to James has been up. to enough dinners with my family to know that this is how everybody talks yeah. about all of their and food. Thankfully, I'm not as incompetent <laughs> as this guy. Like, can't even yeah. hold fucking chopsticks. And what does he do when the when um, Lindo <laughs> offers the food? He just dumps a bunch of soy she sauce on it. Don't worry. Soy sauce. This is a huge amount of soy sauce. Oh, it's it's terrible. It's it's like my, this is where my family watch it and go, oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that she's getting married to this guy, and so they have this this rich kind of rich. That's right, the worst yeah. name too, yeah. just yeah. like a terrible and white so, American boy I've seen name. this with so, Cass I'm, twice, and um, whenever Rich is introduced, she does the exact same thing. He's like starts shirtless, and he's the fine looking guy. He's not great. Both times, pink. Cass has gone. <laughs> well, to me, I'm like oh, it says no. so much about him that he goes by Rich and not. I Dick. know, yeah. but also like. Um, what's her face? Waverly can do way better. She could. <laughs> she yeah. can do way better than Apparently Rich. he's a nice guy. I don't know. Um, what um, I liked about this storyline is, I mean, the, the the relationship between Lindo and Waverly is that there's like, like some genuine tension between mm. these two characters. And you can see why and it's compelling. And, you know, it's like, I guess in a way relatable because you're like, you, everyone wants to make their mama proud. Yeah. But, um, Waverly just can't for some reason because of, you know, Lindo's own, you know, or rather, she can make well, her mother yeah. wi- mother proud, but she her mother doesn't really express yeah. it in the way that she would like to because of just, you know, cultural yeah. differences. And I think that's and a pretty, like, yeah, common yeah. experience for a lot of and, people. And the way she kind of disapproves of, of Rich as well is that she doesn't say anything about him and mm. it goes to the point where Ray really would rather you know have maybe some disapproval or some kind of emotion from Waverly so that she can react to something instead of just yeah. indifference. And the only way it's that Lindo with can show aggression. it. Yeah, yeah. The only way that Lindo can show it is like, say like Rich buys like this big um, like fur gown. Fur uh, coat. Fur coat. Um, <laughs> fur gown. Fur gown. <laughs> and then she says, oh yeah, these are the offcuts of the animal, like it's two like, short oh, hairs. This is a bad coat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the scene in the mirror, which is the um, the hairdressing scene, I think is like the kind of culmination for both of these actors, which is them kind of actually finally having a heart to heart where yeah. Waverly kind of confronts Lindo about, you know, her attitude and it's clearly there. They're getting married um, and Lindo has come to the hairdressers for her like mother of the bride haircut. And so it's this very, you know, yeah. tensions are high. <laughs> I love um, this like shot of like um, Waverly like faux strangling. <laughs> Um, yes. Lindo yeah. and frustration, just so funny. 
Yeah, um, but it's like just a great acting moment of like there's a long shot of the two of them looking into the mirror and they as they as they're talking and both like kind of cry laughing. It's and beautiful. It's a very mother daughter moment. It's wonderful. such a cathartic moment, which I think this like particular scene um kind of embodies like what the beauty of this overarching story of of these many different stories are for me of just like you know despite like long-held traditions and um you know a lot of internal kind of stuff going on with these mothers they still love their daughters and it's just like going through and expressing that love in some kind of cathartic way and it's just yeah and it's so simple like yeah the director just backs off and just lets the performers do the work um, and that's what the film needs, and that mm. this moment really earns it with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I guess my thing with this with this director is uh, so Wayne Wang, who is oh, let's talk about it. Wayne Wang, we this is the second film in his oeuvre that we are talking about. <laughs> so he's he's a mixed director, and uh, this is our first <laughs> really? director that we've returned back to, right? Uh, potentially, yeah. actually, yeah. Welcome so he, back, Wayne. Welcome back, yeah. Wayne. Uh, he also directed Made in Manhattan. Um, which, yeah, uh, was a, f- a bit later, I think. I'm not sure yeah, what, no, the, the, when yeah. that Man, came out. That was 2008. 2000 and something. One, two. Yeah. yeah. Because in that film, he is directing kids really, really well. Yeah. Yes, we, we talked, we waxed lyrical about the child performance in that film. Yeah. Um, whereas here, I feel like he's not maybe doing enough with the, the actors. Uh, it felt like there were a few performances here where I was like, really? It's that, that's what we're doing for the whole performance? We're not going to do any more? Or, you know, it felt like there were actors <laughs> that maybe needed a bit more coaching. Oh, oh 100%. Um, yeah. um, oh, should we, are we getting into bananas or are there other bottles? There's a that few we more bottles that I want to yeah. talk about. Out. Yeah. Um, we, Matt and I were both kind of keen to talk about the Lena storyline, which is the daughter that has kind of like an abusive um, sort yeah, of yeah, husband, which is quite interesting. Um, yeah. I, I think Lauren Tom is one of the stronger actors in the film. Um, she's, uh, you know, I think she's one of the more um, prominent actors of this, like, cast. She's, mm. like, um, pops up here and there. She was, like, in Friends for, like, a little bit. Um, okay. Um, I think she does well because, like... Which character does she play, sorry? Lena. Lena. Okay, cool. We're on yeah. Yep. Because I think when I first saw Lena, I was like, oh, she's nice and bubbly. She's supportive. But like, as you kind of like go through a story, it, um, yeah, you can see just like all the pain that she's kind of stifling um, in the face of equality or this like, you know, imagined sense of equality between her and her husband. Yeah. Um, who is a great villain, by the way. Who's yeah. a very good villain. Like, a very interesting... <laughs> so well. It's a very interesting character and a very the, interesting look at, like, a, a terrible relationship yeah. that's very unexpected compared to, like, other stuff the, in this film, which is so stereotypical. Yeah. yeah, and that level of gaslighting is just patched in a way that you can totally buy it. Um, mm. Yeah, and abuse. Yeah. Weird. Well, it's, it's funny to me because, like, obviously, like... Her husband is, you know, again, Chinese-American, no trace of an accent, um, and he's got, you know, very kind of American values. But also, he's also using his cultural capital to kind of manipulate her, like mm. the equality thing, or like, you know, using the equal the maths and everything to kind of, you know, yeah, make her feel less than and um, in the marriage is, is 
cultural in a sense. To yeah, me. if you don't yeah. know the, the context, they, they make it an agreement to split everything equally, um, or so they say. Um, Which, yeah, he takes very much, um, you know, literally, and so he's keeping, like, accounts of, like, we have spent this much on ice cream, and so we're going to split that in half, and you decided to, like, um, deflee the cat, and so you're going to have to pay for all of the cat defleeing medicine. And he has a much bigger income. They work in the same place, right? Yeah, where he he makes a lot more money than her. Yeah, I think he he, uh, makes seven times more than her and a half. Um, and, um, like one of the, I guess in a nutshell, like one of the things that illustrated that was like, there was a scene, mini scene where they, you know, had dinner and they were going to split it halfway through, but like, she only had like an entree and yeah. he had like three full course meals or something <laughs> and they're still yeah. going to split in like half. So, and honestly, like I get with going back to my interest in internet esoterica, <laughs> I spend a lot of time on Twitter <laughs> reading uh, relationships.txt, which is uh, highlights from the R relationships Reddit forum. Um, so it's basically just people writing in to talk about like problems that they're having in their relationships and this is a, the sort of person that shows up a lot in that where it will be somebody complaining like I don't know my girlfriend's getting mad because I asked her to split this this thing and I think it will make us more equal and it's just this total misunderstanding of how that can be abusive or like using your own power over somebody else or yeah. like lacking you know um, empathy towards someone else's financial situation these people that see everything and purely like well we both paid five dollars that means that we're equal and so that way we can't have any arguments um, and yeah these people show up it's a <laughs> it's a common thread on that on, on that uh, forum yeah um, yeah uh, and it's it, it comes so quickly after like an extremely bizarre and um not realistic depiction of an abusive uh, relationship. It's like what you would imagine an abusive relationship would be, like, first thought. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> it's like the, there's a bit where, like, yeah, so this is Ying Ying, who's Lena's mother, and she's in China, and it's this beautiful, like, Shanghai Rose, like, looking um, styled uh, 1930s, I guess. Um, yeah environment and she's got this like very handsome and sexy husband who is I mean, me he he's is very good looking he's, he's, he's very good looking, he's like, very how, good he's, looking. how he's introduced is like probably the most sexual shot in the movie he, like plunges his hand into a watermelon yeah just him yeah. like dripping watermelon down his face to show it's like, like how sexy the water, he is the melon, yeah. um but yeah, yeah it's like she's like he was happiest when he was cruel and it's him like calling her a whore with like with another girl in his arm and like going <laughs> and like laughing very much this like scene was bananas well like this like. is literally she smashes a plate like every yeah. like hallmark of like the scene playing out if you wrote it down any if anyone wrote it down they would hit all the beats in this movie. <laughs> it's honestly, it's it's really, it just feels like it's pitched a totally different genre <laughs> so... from everything else in the film. And like, there are, you know, big tall tale elements to each of the mother's stories yeah, in some ways, but you, you get the sense that they sh- they're supposed to be rooted in reality. They're not supposed to be like fictions. <sighs> Just, and this one involves, yeah, it's like a, a evil, like, just absolutely moustache-twillingly evil husband and then her killing her, her baby as revenge against the husband in, like, a, a Medea move, as James said. Yeah, so, yeah. The and fact that, that killing babies is a motif in this film... Oh, yeah. Is, this, is like, this is like New Zealand theatre. Where are we? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and there's no, um, like... If you were trying to scratch out that character and you wanted to make it that dark, the husband character, then, like, 
we hear that, like, oh, I destroyed the thing that he most cares about. We don't even really get a sense that he cares about the kid all that much. Exactly. Mm. You know what? You should chop his penis off. Yes. <laughs> you know? Like, if we're going to those levels of histrionic, yeah. like, out there. And I'm and, like, I'm sorry, but, like, a lot of people do, like, you know, there are lots of, like, terrible murder-suicide situations where somebody's killed the kids as, like, revenge against the ex-partner. Generally, it's the man that does it. It's Medea's just becomes the, the one female thing. Kid. And, like, I do not have sympathy for that person. I, I cannot have sympathy for this woman after she's done 100% that we just, like, yeah, have to accept and have yeah. sympathy for, for Ying Ying after that. I was just, and like... Then, and Not like, only that, afterwards, when she gets older and she's reflecting on it, she's saying that she was so sapped of life that she's talking about her kid at one point, and she said, oh, I had a daughter, but Lena had no spirit. <laughs> because I'm I had like, no Jesus. spirit. But, yeah, um, it's like, the, the thing is, like, if we talked just before about how, like, you can tell Lindo's history from the way that she behaves as, like, in the rest of the scenes, yeah. you cannot understand that this woman does not appear to have the trauma no. of being an, like, no. an infanticidal. When, when, you, first, fun when you first see Ying Ying, it just is like she just seems like a nice auntie. Yeah. yeah. And you don't really get a sense of a hint of tragedy from her story. And I, and um, it's not the point of this. It's not like a thing no. where it's like, even the nicest aunties have got dark no. secrets. It's like, it's just, <laughs> it's just, just like, she got better. <laughs> I guess poor shaping of the story. And like, yeah. dirt. Um, but there is a nice line in this section um, when um, she implores her daughter to leave her husband. She asks her um, what she likes, what she would want. And Lena just says, respect and tenderness yeah Um, and i think her delivery on that is really good and so yeah yeah. in some ways i'm like ah maybe like the second abuse plot line comes out better because we've seen the first like yeah so cartoonish one that the more nuanced one can be stronger um but yeah it's kind of like it's very weird seeing both of those next to each other when one works so well and one does not i think it's funny i mean i guess because there are good and bad elements into these we kind of do away with the you know, structure and kind of just like talk yeah. about the good and the bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, but because we're only on the second um, mother-daughter duo, and I agree that this is my second favorite one. Yeah. Um, let's go down your list and talk Shall about we June. Move on? Yeah. So June. Uh, <laughs> oh God. So um, Ming Now Wen. Ming Now Wen. I love how we didn't even watch this together. We didn't discuss anything. Nope. But we both. Came to the same conclusion. I yeah. feel like, from yes. our expressions, Ming-Na Wen is not much of an actress. She, well, the thing that's incredibly, it's that's amazing about this, is that she later on goes on to have a storied career as a voice actor. Exactly, yeah. Specifically Including as Mulan. <laughs> like, she and, is the voice of a, a generation. And, 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 and has done so much cartoon like voice acting stuff, but her voice is so monotone and deadpan and just uninteresting in this well, film. Not just her voice to me, but just like her acting is so colorless she plays saintly generically like she's just like good that's her one thing she's like what's she, the, what's she that, has an expression the, with... the, what's the filmmaking effect where you just show a person blank after you've shown like an event happening and oh, you yes. read into it like that they're reacting <laughs> oh, to that's it that's the what? eisensteinian eisenstein theory like, right yeah it's that juxtaposition it's though. like she just doesn't move her face and we're just supposed to read stuff into it, it. it's like a she's a performer that has just like She's on opium or something. She looks so out of it. She looks just so, like, dull in every scene. Like, there's no life behind her eyes at all. It's just 
so bland. The performance is so bland. And I think this is one of the main reasons why it's not more well-remembered. Because nominally, she's the lead of the film, but she does not give a compelling performance at all. Yeah. No. Weirdly, though, weirdly, she's got one scene where she's really good. Which Cass and I think is maybe her audition scene. I don't know if she's really good. I don't think she's really good, but she has more energy. Her scene um, with one of her relatives in the kitchen... Where she like is crying and being like with her mother when is it with her mother? Yeah. 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 Uh, Oh right, that's a flashback where she's like, I want to do something better. I can't remember what the actual argument's about. She's had an argument about like whether she or Waverly is the best daughter, and her mother like has this sort of they have this moving moment of like mother daughter reconciliation. Yeah, there's a moment where she you did some acting there. Where she comes to play, she's she's ready for it. I feel like I was just so down on her that I didn't even notice this, and like. In her scenes with everyone else, everyone outshines her. Like, her mother yeah. is the better actor of the Definitely. scene. So I guess June's storyline is that she is um, used to be a piano prodigy, but then she messed up one day in the big piano recital, and she never wants to play piano again. My uh, little <laughs> note on the young June, though, is that she looks extremely like a lot of my aunties. Oh, Strong yeah. family resemblance to my family <laughs> with this small child. Mm. <laughs> um, and also the thing about her mom is that she's best friends, best frenemies with Lindo, so they kind of have this rivalry where they also pit pit the two um, little girls against each other, Mm. and that's kind of scarred um, June a little bit, like, seemingly, like... And there's, like, the sort of long... Like, the, the kind of backstory that we sort of come into a few times over the course of the film is that, like, Suyuan, the mother, had twins when she was in China in World War II, that she had to abandon. And so yeah. the whole like kind of narrative thread of the film is that the rest of the older woman after Suyuan's died have written to these twins and found them in China and they've sent they're sending they're June to go see them. Um, yeah. because they're alive. Yeah. But Lindo has said that she's told that, <laughs> that the the mum's died, but she has not. But here is the thing again, for because for the longest time I thought her mother also abandoned her twins to die. So yes. I was just like <laughs> I have no sympathy for these women. Like, All these people I'm, who killed their kids. I'm just like, no. Because for the longest time, the movie like asks you to assume that her mother just left these two twins on the side of the road, mm. presumably to die. And, um, I'm just, and then we ugh. learn later on from the father, who's probably like the only sympathetic Chinese man in the film, like, yeah. uh, which has been a criticism of this film, is that it, it's not particularly great in its depictions of Chinese men. Um, but yeah, like that... Uh, she actually left the babies there with all of her money and like a note explaining what to do because she thought she was going to die and so she crawled away somewhere else to die without them but she was found and picked up um, and her babies were separated from her and those sequences are like where we really get the sense that they're trying to make this this huge like big budget um, there are so many extras spectacle there are so many extras in that scene it's like this this World War 2 the Japanese are invading so the Chinese are like going off to other places, I guess. To... She's wheeling a wagon away with her kids. Mm. Yeah. And these huge, huge crowd scenes. Yeah, and you're just like, this is like cast of millions. Like, how many people have they gotten here? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, pick a lane, pick a tone. Because like, <laughs> it's quite dissonant from everything else that we've seen. I also, one thing I, I enjoy is that, um, yeah, the, the mother, when she's pushing the babies in the cart, is the most like, artful brush of coal across her forehead to make them look <laughs> dirty. It reminds me of like when you see a production of My Fair Lady and Eliza has a bit of dirt on her because she has to quickly wash it off in the next scene. We can't put too much dirt on her. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Um, yeah, so I guess the conceit is that Aunt Lindo, um, after the mother died, um, wrote to the twins, who have now recently been found, um, saying them, as telling them that the mother's still alive or whatever. But June is is gonna visit them, um, and the thinking behind this is that June is the one who will be revealing to the twins um, that their mother has in fact died. Classic Aunt Lindo move. By the <laughs> you do that work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is the whole sort of ending of the thing. The, the film ends with, it's with June bland with the twins kind line, of reunited. Yeah. And you're like, cool, great. great. Like, yeah. also, I think it's I... worse than bland. Like the reunion scene, one of the, um, one of the daughters that they're reuniting with is saying like, my, my, like in a very like, like emotional manner. They just manner. repeat like, little daughter, like, little sister, big sister, little sister, big sister at each other. As they hug. And you're like, she, well, you could have written dialogue, guys. Like, two <laughs> things. She went by boat. Why? That is so dumb. <laughs> Why did she go by boat? I never thought about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> do you want to suffer some more? Like what? <laughs> also, maybe two... she went by plane and then boat, but, but they don't show us that. <laughs> no. So we're left to assume she travelled by boat from America. But also, too, she brings them a feather. Like, what the fuck is that yeah, going to do? This is the framing device at the, the start. We hear the story of the swan, of a swan saw... and a feather that you've totally forgotten about by well, the end of the film. If you are coming feather, from but... America, and I'm presumably like less well off than you in China, it's and the thing that China you give in me, the 90s, like. Like, the you thing know. <laughs> you give me is a feather. At least give me some fucking Reese's pieces or something. Like, <laughs> she might have those in the backpack. We don't yeah. know. Like, <laughs> but yeah, she's gonna lead with the feather and then follow. I have up. two other comments about the storyline. One of them is that um, so the babies are born World War Two. June is how old in 1993? How like how old was the mother? <laughs> During each of these, I was like trying to work out. I was like, "How? Like, did she have? Is she supposed to be like in her teens with the babies? Know. Like, how Possibly. is she still fertile enough to have this like, at most thirty year old girl like yeah. in 1993? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. But my favorite thing about the storyline is when, um, because she is freedom with Waverly, um, she submits something to Waverly's company, and it's then the most like you haven't researched what these either of these professions yeah. do. And then, and then Waverly just cuts her down. Like yeah. she, she, and she, again, like, Waverly is a bad bitch. And we yeah, I know her. she just like recites <laughs> the copy um, back to us, and I'm like, yeah, that is bad. It's Fuck bad. you. June like, sounds like a really bad writer. Yeah, and you what like an advertising copywriter, and you're not even good at that. That's not yeah. even. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Um, um, and finally, our final mother-daughter duo is Anmay. Anmay and Rose. Yes. Um, I loved Anmay. She was serving. Anmay, we, we have to stand because she uh, is great in Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, so Lisa Liu. Lisa Liu. Lisa Liu is amazing. Not only Crazy Rich Asians, but also, like, she's the only person in the world who is both a member of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and the Academy. So she's the only person who votes Damn. for the Golden Globes and the Oscars nice. in the world. So and Good she started in both Crazy Rich Asians and the Joy Luck Club. So you know. Here we go. Um, yeah, I think she does a good job, like as the older one. She's yeah. just got like a like great a expressive face. She's also, got a wonderful presence, and her hair looks awesome at all times. I love. But the thing with Wayne Wang is because 
he treats this with such importance. Everything is so important all the time that mm. whenever like they have to a flashback, he does like this like weird close up to the face, yeah. which he is just eff- pushes which, in. which is effective sometimes. But for the one with Lisa Lou transitioning into her flashback, it just like stayed on her face for way too long. But at least Lisa was like using her face I'm gonna to keep going. convey the <laughs> We're at the point where this has happened like seven, six or seven other times by <laughs> we're now. Like, okay. We're like, okay. really? Again? <laughs> you're not going to shake it up a little at bit? At that point, you're like, we know everybody's getting a story, so just be patient, what? everyone. <laughs> it's just like, they have to out-tragedy each other. Like, who is yeah. this, the saddest story? <laughs> Yeah. And this is possibly yeah, one of the worst ones. Yeah, this is the one we talked about earlier where the mother commits suicide because she's like kind of in this rich family um, where she's treated very poorly. And it really it, it's kind of mirrors just the Lindo storyline in a lot of ways. Yeah. It feels very similar. It's not exactly the same specifics, but in terms of being like a young poor girl that's ended up in this rich family's house where she is at, in a weak position that then like becomes yeah. stronger... But she doesn't really do anything. It's literally just that her mum died and the other ones get scared of her because she yells a lot. kind of a weird parallel to the Lindister line because her daughter, Rose, is also the other one who who marries a white um, husband. But their marriage goes awry. Um, yeah. Because Rosalind or Rose or whatever, Rosalind Chow. Rosalind's the, the actor, and then Rose is the character. So. She's such a drip. I'm just like she is. She, are you so uninteresting? Like well, yes, because... you're beautiful, and that's why he fell in love with you. And normally I would side with a woman, but she was just too much for me. This is the thing. It's just like, oh, the marriage has gone bad because all she does is just, like, try to please him. Be subservient. Yeah. Just before we move on from the mother storyline, I'd like to also say that, like, how it's depicted in terms of, obviously, it, like, reeks of, like, 90s kind of, um, of a time period where any kind of abuse... Uh, storyline, the only approach that they have to it is just to depict it. To, like, if there's rape, you show rape. If there's infanticide, you show infanticide. Like, I know that it's just time and place, but, like, if this was made now, you could you approach this... You hope it would this, be a bit more yeah, interesting. The, like, the yeah. direct route isn't like, oh, well, let's just show it. Like, mm. we can tell these stories, but, like... Yeah. The, Don't like, have to put everybody through the We were watching it, and way. I yeah. was just so... Um, drained that I even was like right like as it happened and <laughs> this was like what and it was like have the diminishing effect like. right if yeah. these are meant to be stories that are affecting they kind of lose the effect by the yes. third one like, by yeah. this point you're like okay something bad so, happened to her right, as well. what's your tragedy how come no one lived a good life in China <laughs> I know like nobody had a good time in China yeah. really um, I guess that's why they all moved to America, but, you know. <laughs> also pointed out that the daughter looked a lot like Isabel McKenna, um, <laughs> which I can really see. Oh, like, her right. smile... This is, this is generally Isabel for McKenna the public audience. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. But everyone a, that's not just our friends. A friend a of ours. Wellington theatre practitioner and friend of the pod. Yeah. Um, Hopefully. She doesn't listen. Both very, very beautiful women. Um, yes, but, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I, would, I was struck by this resemblance. Um, she's married to Andrew McCarthy of 80s teen comedy fan. Oh, indeed, yes. indeed. He looked beautiful in this. Like, he's got it's, those his eyes. His eyes are very sparkly. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though he's got some extreme 80s shoulder padding at certain yeah. points, which is quite it funny for me. really frustrated me when, because um, I was, like, on her side the whole time. And then they had that scene where she was arguing with him, and she's like, what do you want? And he's like, for you to have an opinion and not be subservient. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. I know. And then, and then she doubles down. And I'm yeah. like, this is, no, I'm not and I'm rooting like, for you uh, He wants you to be there. For, like, yeah, as she a wants person, you to be a to partner. Be yeah. yeah. 
He but doesn't it's... want a servant. He wants a wife. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's kind of like, it's a weird storyline because it's, it's kind of, I don't know. It, it what feels is the like... deal? What's the whole, <laughs> Who is knows? that the whole thing? It's the whole thing. That's her whole and thing. And she stands outside in the, uh, outside the house in the rain. And also, she's yeah, sad. He, I mean, he cheats on her. But, oh, yeah. Uh, but that's kind of a symptom rather than a cause, yeah. you know. Yeah. But also, he has got the most like, um, like stereotypical racist rich mom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like we're not racist, but um, other you know. people are. They <laughs> might think things. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's that's a storyline where just it's it's such a nothing storyline. Exactly. Just, yeah. You go, and I okay, think this is like, did we here. really need these characters? We didn't. Like, what's mm. wrong? I guess because eight is a important number to Chinese culture. I know eight's very lucky. I but, guess that makes sense. But I mean, how I much? Know. You know, like, these can still be characters like at that party, say, and fans of the book can be like, oh, they also have well, a narrative. Well, I mean, the thing is, Amy Tan is a co-script writer on this, um, oh, which right. would. Uh, definitely say why it is, it is very adherent to the novel and it feels yeah. very adherent to the plot of the book and you feel like they have not left anything out um, and that's, I think, one of the problems of the film, I would imagine. Like you're, you're watching this going... Another thing and about it is that the voiceover, there's so much voiceover. Yeah. It just, everybody has to narrate their storyline. And, and it's, it's not particularly... Like, I'm not one of those people who normally, like, docks a movie for voiceover if it's... Because it can be really effective. It can be good. But it's not. It's just like, this is what you show people when you say that um, voiceover is a crutch. Especially when the monotone voice is by (laughs) June most of the time. Yeah, it starts out with her thing, my mother once bought a swan, and you're like, oh no. (laughs) Like, my thinking, and obviously I'm comparing with something more modern, but like, if you're making an adaptation, like, go radical with it. Go like Greta Gerwig's Little Women, where you're making it filmic, you're making it feel alive. You can't really... I mean, for but, that because that was, I mean, like, kind I, of revolutionary. Yeah, in but a I way, would say, so. like, there are better novel adaptations yeah. that oh, probably are ones that, yeah. that tell and that are In the same year, we have The Remains of the Day, we have The Age of Innocence, both, like, really great films mm, from yeah. really mammoth books. That are using films as the medium to tell yeah. the story. Yeah. Um, Whereas I think there are a lot of films that kind of do fine adaptations, which well, is what I would say this is, and a lot of things which just, like, here you can tell it's a book and everything printed on it feels like, you should just yeah. read the book. Why are you watching I, this film? Go read the book. <laughs> I also think there are, like, a few things that I... That, that I kind of want to highlight as a bad thing for me for the film. I just don't think I like the source material. I just think these, there's only so much you can do with these stories, I feel like, because I think it's inherently, I wouldn't say bad, but just like flawed with, with the amount of trauma that these yeah. kind it of characters have. And very like of a time as well for me. But they're also not unique enough to mm. be interesting. They are all kind of, riffing on the same themes and same abuse, same kind of uh, situations, it just in different variations. But yeah. um, so I'm not, like, yeah, I don't know how much of an interesting film you can make. I'm sure there is one that exists out there with a person with a different vision. And that's another one of my criticisms is I don't think Wayne Wang's direction is no, very, uh, you know, good (laughs) i think it's once again performers being left to their own devices and people that are great and have their own presence are awesome but you see the holes everywhere but also just this thing of like i feel like he got bogged down and a lot of these people have been bogged down by like the 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 
like the weight of importance that yeah. like the pressure of the importance of what this film is supposed to symbolize. It feels like it makes a lot of safe choices yeah. because it felt like it was carrying a lot of weight on its shoulders and so there are there might have been opportunities to do things which were more radical but instead they've chosen to do the safest option because it will be fine and I think the film's definitely I mean it's not this is a mixed bag. This is a this is where yeah. all the fine films go. Um, and, and it's that vein of thinking of like, yeah, the most important thing is the most serious. Um, like and they've put all the effort into that. And there's moments where they like make jokes to each other, like terrible jokes. Uh, and they're like, ha 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 ha, like around Mahjong. And like the comedy needs to be just as joyous because we should be falling in love with these characters. Thank you for that segue, James, which brings me to my final big point against this movie, which is where is the Joy Luck Club? Yeah. Where, is, where, the where is the Mahjong? Where is the Mahjong? I need scenes of them just like shooting the shit, being friends. Like yes. I need more scenes of them like, you know, talking shit about each other over Mahjong, people winning Mahjong, people like teasing another person about how shit they are at Mahjong. Like, just, I want the sense of... I mean, you do get a sense of their friendship, but I want more levity if you are gonna have a story that, that that's this tragic. Yeah, yeah. if you've gone through. through all this trauma, where is the life afterwards? The, and but, but, the thing because, that's interesting about this as well is that Amy Tan, as a writer, like, and as a writer, like, person who talks about her own writing, is always talking about how, like, people over like take all of her work much more seriously than she intends it and she's like people are always taking this stuff to be really serious and in fact like it's told in this way that's like yes it's a traumatic situation but people get through it with like humor and goodwill and stuff like that and I'm like you just don't get a sense of that from this film I don't know I haven't read this book but maybe there is more of a sense of like the kind of gallows humor of all of the trauma which you would you would have if you had gone through all of this stuff in this book but you don't get a sense of it in the film I won't be reading it I'm so sorry (laughs) Sorry, Amy. Well, should we move to our... um, Do we have a title for it? Final Judgments? Oh, Bag of Biff. Yeah. Um, James, how many episodes are there? We're like... This is like our... What, 30th? My brain, one thing goes in, one thing goes out. (laughs) Bag or Biff? Bag. Or Biff. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, I think I laid out my case against this film pretty clearly with that, that last screen. I really wanted to like this film coming in. There are so many things I like. Actresses. I like emotional stories full of love and passion and like emotion spilling out when you least expect it to. Or like, you know, um, taken to the breaking point. Um, but it's just... If I had a movie about Waverly and Lindo, perfect. Mm. But as a collective of stories, this was very bland, very academic, not very passionate. Nothing about it felt joyful. So I I just, I have to biff it. It's just, I was looking forward to this so much, but I was disappointed, and I can see why it took 25 long years for another Asian-American late cast to, um, you know, feature in the big screen. And you know what? They did it right this time because Crazy Rich Asians was such a fun time. No matter, like, you know, what criticism you have about it, it's Mm. a fun time in general. 
Yeah. I mean, this is really why we fight for, like, representation and things, because, like, Asians deserve to make mediocre fine films. Like, yeah. they yeah, exactly. more funding. Like, I kind of, like... How many mediocre spend... white people films are there just as bad as this? <laughs> Based on that, I kind of want to shed out three films, because, you know, I talked about Tiger Tail, which was on Netflix, so that's a good immigrant story. We, the Farewell is, like, one of the best oh. films of last year. Iconic. And I think... Lost in this conversation is, I think, what was the first film that had a predominantly Asian-American cast, which is The Flower Drum Song in 1960, which we don't talk about as part of the conversation. <laughs> I have not seen it, but I feel like it's worth noting. I know some songs from that. That's all I know. <laughs> um, yeah. I can go next. Um, yeah, I wrestled with myself about what I should do with this one, uh, because... You do want to, you have an instinct to celebrate something that is clearly, there needs to be more representation. You should champion this stuff. But uh, yeah, the, the case is that um, Asian Americans should, should be allowed to have failures like this and not to have so much of it resting on, like, is it going to be the hugest next big thing? Like, no, it was moderately successful, but not very successful at all in terms of emotional value. I was, I have a couple of scenes and moments and performers that I really liked, but overall, Wayne, you just didn't pull it together, buddy. I just, I just need, I need joy, I need life. Um, and this felt like, yeah, it was trotting through the worst traumas and a, a, a atrocities like that, that you can think of all happening to a family. And it's, um, yeah, it didn't earn its two hours and like fourteen minute runtime. Like that's <laughs> not yeah, longer than that's too long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, it's a biff from me. I would I would advocate for a mini series though. I feel like the time is right yeah, for totally. a good mini series. I want Lucy Liu back on my screen, okay? Like <laughs> as Lindo. <I laughs> oh think. my god! Right? There's Lucy Liu Lindo. I, I think I she's got the rich mind. I pictured her as Su Yuan actually. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like anything that I think Lucy Liu is weird because she is the iconic Asian actress of our time, but her roles don't really reflect that. Yeah. Like, mm. what's her most iconic roles? Kill Bill, Charlie's, like Charlie's Angels, Angels, and yeah. Ally McBeal. But that's not a you lot to write the legacy doing on. Now is she's moved into the uh, visual art world and she's had yeah. like multiple successful exhibitions. Apparently, she's a very good painter and artist. And it's really artist. rough oh. for Lucy Liu when people are like, "Oh yeah, she's in Chicago," and she's like, "She's in it for like two no. minutes." No, I feel like Lucy Liu as Lindo and Ming-Na Wen as her mother. <laughs> See if Give her the improved. redemption. I'm, See if she's I'm, got better. I'm here for the redemption. Jump in there. Lulu Wong, do some work with her. See if you can get, get a performance <laughs> out of that. Um, so I guess I'll go now. Um, yeah, I mean, I chose this one for Mixed Bag because I think it, it fits very squarely within our remit. And we had a few people going like, I thought that was just a good film. And I'm like, have you seen this film? <laughs> um, because I think even my family who, like, re you know, have watched this in quotes, like that scene with the pouring soy sauce all over the meal um, multiple times, like... I think they would also agree with me that, like, yeah, there are really good bits of this film, but as a whole, it gets kind of baggy and it gets kind of loose and it doesn't really live up to, yeah, live up to what it could be. Um, and I, I'm very much agreeing with Matt and that, like, yeah, I think, like, a Waverly and Lindo film, just that section of it, excellent, fantastic performances, some really cool stories, really interesting, really well done, lots of... It, there's also, like, the humour in that, both mm. of those sections yeah. mm. and I think that's the only times we get humour are in both of those stories 
Um, but yeah, I think overall, despite the fact that like it's kind of an important film for lots of reasons, and in some ways because it's an important film, and it, which I think is really weighs down the director and the production team and everything else about it, um, it is a biff from me as well. That opening like crawl with the <laughs> with the heavy like important voiceover, I with was the like so tempted to be like, no, oh, nope. <laughs> I'm gonna just pass on this. <laughs> yeah. James and Gaz, you can handle this one yourself this week. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we ever did like one of us just hadn't seen it. It's like the going to the English lit tutorial where you haven't read the book and just being like, yes, I agree. That scene. Yeah, maybe with someone you. someone gets a get out of film card every once a year. Where they're once like, a year, get out of film oh, card. Pass. Um, but you have to pretend that you have seen the yes. film and yeah. comment on it and still give, give a bag of You have to end. con us. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I, I agree. I don't know. I think a miniseries or something that might be worth totally. I think so. This. And I feel like a miniseries, especially with a writer who's, like, we've got a lot of up-and-coming Asian-American writers out mm. there, can make those, like, stories who, which are, like, kind of familiar in this film feel fresh and maybe have their own flavor. Yeah. I, I think I, one I, of the... So I was just saying, I think like one of the things about these stories that like as you were putting out seems quite like tired and like mm. you know, it come from an existing trope. In some ways, we can say that now because like you know there is like an existing canon of stories of like you know Chinese immigration and the new, the Chinese American story that there is enough of those that we can say yeah. here are the stereotypes of that story. Whereas when this book came out, you know that there weren't as many other existing stories telling that. And- I would love a miniseries just because I want more of the day-to-day lives of these women. Yeah. Like, what are their friends? Who are their friends? How are they, you know, interacting with people of of other races? You know, like, Mm. you know. What's just their life, like, on the day-to-day? I want to see what Waverly's job is. I want to see June be a shit writer (laughs) and realize that she's a shit writer. Yeah. Yeah, she could be the the Lena Dunham (laughs) of Asian Americans. Um, yeah. yeah. Is there anything else before we wrap it up today, guys? Well, there is the places where you can check out more Mixed Bag uh, <laughs> at Mixed Bag Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on Mixed Bag Pod on Twitter. Um, we are completing our 1993 um, mini season uh, next week with Sister Act 2 Back in the Habit. Uh, we're actually going to watch both Sister Act and Sister Act 2, as um, some of us haven't seen the first one. And um, Cass has this, literally she has the staunch belief that Sister, Sister Act, Act Two. And I just don't think Sister Act One is going to beat Sister Act Two for me. So we'll see. We'll come back. We'll come back next week and we'll discuss it in further. As for our Hello. own handles, you can catch me at James Kane ninety two on Twitter and James Edward Kane on Instagram. You can catch me at Lula Morashi, L-U-L-A-M-O-R-A-S-H-I on both Instagram and Twitter. And you can catch me if you look at the followers list on either of those profiles. You'll find me there, um, unless I shake things up. Unless you go on, if you go on Twitter and you find somebody that's just being really snarky on all of James's tweets, then that will be Matt. Totally. Um, one um, thing I need to correct from last week is that I said that the forty-eight hour um, lockdown screening is on the ninth. It is not. It is on the eighth at nine thirty on TV. James NZ. is still holding out hope that we will be there. My fingers one are crossed. The, yeah. We have one in one thousand and six hundredth of a chance that we might be a finalist. But so. I think it'll just be a fun watch either way. I'm yeah. not better than zero. 
Have a yeah. good time, guys. Um, unfortunately, this film did not spark joy for us, but hopefully we have sparked <laughs> joy to your listening ears and beyond next week and further on. <laughs> Rate us five stars. Goodbye. Bye. You like those flicks? Come get your fix in a podcast called Mixed Bag.